Welcome to the Knox Presbyterian Church Podcast. We're so glad that you're here. We hope this resource is a blessing to you. Let's jump in. Beck and I talked about where we should stand this morning, and we decided it would be a little bit awkward if we took turns standing behind that pulpit and kind of switching off. So instead, you're going to get us up here. Morning. If you don't know me, I'm David Bruner. I'm one of the co-pastors here. And we've already said hi. I'm Becca. We're going to talk this morning, uh, as we've talked a lot over these last couple of weeks, about uh, the new vision that we are discerning together here at Knox Presbyterian Church. We're going to talk a lot about that vision, but before we do, we want to share another word of Scripture. Scripture we're going to read this morning comes from the first chapter of Philippians. But as we turn to God's word together, let's pray. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Open our hearts and our minds to hear what you would have to say to us today. And having heard, may we move and be be so moved that we act, carrying out your call in our lives and to our world. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Today's reading is from Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 1. I thank my God for every remembrance of you, always and every one of my prayers for all of you, praying with joy for your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I am confident of this, that the one who began a good work in you will continue to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to think this way about all of you because I hold you in my heart. For all of you are my partners in God's grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I long for all of you with the tender affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may overflow more and more with knowledge and full insight to help you determine what really matters so that in the day of Christ you may be pure and blameless, having produced the harvest of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and praise of God. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. So Paul wrote his letter to the Philippians to a church, a church he helped found in the city of Philippi, located in modern-day Greece. As some of you may know, Paul founded a lot of churches all over the Mediterranean world, And many of them went a little bit off the rails after he left and moved on. His letters to those churches are often filled with concern, sometimes with consternation and rebuke. But not the letter to the Philippians. Of all Paul's letters, this is the one that radiates most happiness and confidence and pleasure in their continuing ministry. Look at what Paul said in verse 3. I thank my God for every remembrance of you, always, and every one of my prayers for all of you, praying with joy 
for your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I am confident of this, that the one who began a good work in you will continue to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. The one who began a good work in you will continue to complete it. Paul says, God's at work in you. And he will continue that good work. He will see it through until the very end. Here at Knox, we are confident of the same thing. God has begun a good work in this church and God will continue it. God started working here way back in the 1960s when a young pastor named Ken Lehman started going door to door in this community, welcoming families who were new to the area. God kept working. A few years later, when Knox Presbyterian started, uh, helped to start organizations like Samaricare and Little Friends. And God was at work in the last decade when this congregation was integral in founding the Indian Prairie chapter of the Great Banquet. So many of you have had your lives forever changed because of the way God was at work in this congregation. And the God who began that good work promises to carry it through to completion until the day Jesus returns. God is never done with us. And one of the ways that we believe that God will carry God's good work through to that completion is through what we've been doing in our Isaiah 6 project. Now you'll remember in the book of Isaiah, there's this passage in chapter 6 where uh, we, we kind of get this picture of God looking out over the world and seeing all the various needs and, and God asks the question, says, who will go for me? Whom shall I send? And it's the prophet Isaiah who responds in faith to that call, saying, here I am, send me. If you've ever sung the hymn, here I am, Lord, in our hymnals, if you've sung that, you've sung the same words from Isaiah 6. And so we called our work together over this past year, the Isaiah 6 Project, because we wanted to bring that same spirit into our work and ministry, discerning God's call together for our church. And you'll remember way back in January, we started it out with congregational surveys and focus groups and a demographic study of kind of the, I think, 11-mile radius around the church. Then over the winter and spring and summer months, we had three different retreats where we brought the session and the staff all together to, to pray, to talk, to be in small groups, be in large groups, all for the purpose of discerning the Holy Spirit's call. And, and Dave and I, just from the bottom of our hearts to the leadership of this church, our, our session and our staff, who spent several actual very beautiful weekends, it was lovely outside, they were inside a windowless room. <laughs> giving their time and their attention, not because they had to, but because they wanted to. They care so deeply about this church and the future that God wants for us, that they gave that time willingly and joyfully, and we are so grateful. And, and I, I just, I hope you know what devoted uh, Christian leaders we have in this church, and, and we thank them every chance that we get. The product of those retreats 
There's a number of things. It's this vision statement, uh, a re-articulated uh, set of core values, a number of uh, ministry initiatives, new strategic objectives that we're going to be launching into in these next few years. It's a number of things. But for what we want to do today is we want to focus on the vision statement. So we're going to start there. The vision statement says this. Loving sacrificially, serving generously, and seeking Jesus together to see God's kingdom come in the Naperville area and beyond. When we started working on our vision statement, our consultants advised us that a good uh, vision statement would have three components. Now, you know we like to preach three-point sermons, so I just want to emphasize they told us it would have three points. We didn't tell them. A good vision statement has three things. First, a purpose, something we are going to seek to do or achieve. Second, a result, a a good thing that would happen as a result of our vision. And third, a beneficiary, someone outside the church who would be helped by what we were doing. And our vision statement does have all three of those elements, and in the time we have remaining, we want to unpack them. And we're going to do so in backwards order. We're going to start with the beneficiary, move to the result, and end with the purpose. So we'll start with the beneficiary first. You've heard Becca and I say before that the church is the only organization that exists for the benefit of those who are not yet its members. We believe that, our staff in session believe that, and we wanted our vision to clearly spell that out. Our vision is to be a church that exists to bless others, starting first and foremost in the city of Naperville, the community that we're located in. But our mission isn't just limited to Naperville proper. We're also called to bless our immediate neighbors in the western suburbs, in communities like Aurora, Plainfield, Downers Grove, Wheaton. And as part of the body of Christ, we know that our mission stretches beyond our immediate community to places like Chicago, the East and West Coast, the other side of the world. We wanna be a church that blesses this community here in Naperville, but we don't wanna be limited solely to it. So the beneficiary of our vision is Naperville, nearby suburbs, and beyond that, the whole world. So let's then back up another step talk about the result of our ministry. As we are blessing Naperville, the western suburbs and beyond, what's going to happen? What will actually come about? And the answer is we will see God's kingdom come. We'll see God's kingdom come. Now we recognize that the language and the meaning of the kingdom of God is probably a little bit unfamiliar to many of us. Most Presbyterians historically haven't spent a lot of time talking about this biblical theological concept that is the kingdom of God. And that's really too bad because though Presbyterians haven't spent a lot of time talking about it, do you know who has? It's the answer you always get right if you say it in church. Jesus, right? 
Jesus spent a lot of time talking about the kingdom of God. It was in our scripture we heard read this morning. Jesus said, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. What Jesus is doing when he says that is he's actually announcing the arrival of the kingdom of God in his person. What Jesus is essentially saying is, I'm here, so the kingdom of God, it's also here. He helps people understand what that meant through his teachings. You can read through in all of the gospels and his sermons and the parables. You can see that phrase appear over and over again where Jesus will say, the kingdom of God is like this. Kingdom of God, it's like this. It's like, you know, he, he, he elaborates what it's like in his teaching and, and he displays the fullness of the kingdom of God in his death and in his resurrection. Jesus was all about the kingdom of God. So we want to be about the kingdom of God too. So to that end, over the course of this coming year, in, in, to endeavor to make the kingdom of God not just something that we understand, but that we can wholly embrace we're going to dedicate this year's preaching to various aspects of the kingdom of God. Help us understand what it is, how we live it out, what, what difference it makes in our lives and in our world. So get ready for that. Get ready for a whole lot of talk about the kingdom of God. It is going to be great. But for today, we're going to be brief. Today, again, recognizing that this idea of the kingdom of God may be unfamiliar, we want to consider contrasted against two other kind of expressions of Christianity that are probably very familiar. First, a potentially familiar expression of the kingdom or of the Christian faith is one that is primarily focused on service. Short and sweet, the, the creed, so to speak, of this expression of the Christian faith might be believe in God and do good works. And there are good things about this expression of Christianity. At its very best, this, people who kind of live into this way of being a Christian take very seriously the teachings of Jesus. When Jesus preaches the Sermon on the Mount and he says things like, turn the other cheek. When Jesus says, care for the poor, the orphan, and the widow. When Jesus says, love your neighbor, and not just that, love your enemy. People in this expression of Christianity take Jesus' teachings Seriously, and that's a very good thing. But there's something missing here, too. While there is great meaning and purpose in all of these humble acts of service, what I see missing here is grace. If, if being a Christian is all about what I do now, well, then it's all up to me and what I do now. What need for there is grace? What need for there is hope. Because again, if it's all about what I do now, then what happens when now is over? Well, there's a second expression of the Christian faith that kind of stands apart from service. This one is focused more on salvation. Their creed, believe in Jesus and go to heaven when you die. And again, at its very best, this expression of Christianity, it takes seriously the importance of faith in Jesus. The value of justification by grace, the free gift of salvation that is ours through the forgiveness of sins through Jesus. But a quote that's been attributed to 
Oliver Wendell Holmes comes to mind as well. Christians who spend all their time in this salvation circle can sometimes be so heavenly-minded that they are of no earthly use. Because see, if all that matters is that I believe in Jesus, so I get to go to heaven when I die, who cares about what's going on in the world around me? If I know I'm going to heaven at some point in the future, then who cares about apartheid? Who gives a rip about global warming? If I know I'm saved, then I don't really need to be bothered by the fact that there are this day, this moment, over four million men, women, and children who have been violently displaced from their homes in South Sudan. I mean, if they've accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, eh, they're saved, right? Again, let me be clear. Each one of these expressions of the Christian faith does have something valuable to add, but each is also incomplete on its own. Each of them needs to learn something from the other. The sweet spot is where they come together. And there, we believe, there is where we encounter the kingdom of God. One of the best definitions I have found of the kingdom of God comes from the late theologian and philosopher Dallas Willard. Dallas Willard defines the kingdom of God as the range of God's effective will. The range of God's effective will. The kingdom of God is wherever God's will is done. It's the sphere in which everything that happens meets with God's approval and God's delight. So, so when people do the things that Jesus said, when people serve, God's will is done. And when people give their hearts and lives to Jesus Christ in faith, when they are saved, God's will is done. When both of these things are happening, we find the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, at its most fundamental level, is about things being the way God wants them to be, both in our hearts and in the world around us. So the result of our shared ministry is that we get to see it. We get to see God's kingdom come in the Naperville area and beyond. So far, we've shared the beneficiary of our vision and the result of our vision. So now let's take one final step back and explore the purpose of our vision. Our vision statement identifies three aspects of that purpose. To love sacrificially, serve generously, and seek Jesus together. Let me touch on each of those one at a time. First, we want to love sacrificially. In the Gospel of John, Jesus gives his disciples a familiar commandment. He tells them to love one another. It's repeated numerous times throughout Scripture. But he adds a twist that's unique to John. He says, love one another as I have loved you. Love one another as I have loved you. Sacrificially persistently, in an unselfish and other-focused way. To show them what he meant, Jesus not only washed his disciples' feet, he went all the way to the cross for them. 
We believe that to see God's kingdom come, we need to love sacrificially, guided by the Holy Spirit. This is something Knox has been doing successfully for a long time, and we hope Knox continues to do it more and more. We've seen so much evidence of it, even over the last 12 months that we've been here at this church. We saw that sacrificial love in the giant crowd of people who came to our house the first month we were here to help us unpack and move in. We saw it in the faces of Brian Hicks, Joe O'Brien, and Josh Weir, who patiently assembled a trampoline in our backyard in the August heat. We saw it a few months later in the devoted members of our staff who left the building at a moment's notice on a weekday to go and sit with a congregational member who is in crisis. Before Becca and I heard about it, before we even knew it had happened, the Knox family was already with that person. We've seen it when we were visiting with a member of the church who is grieving, and while we were talking and praying with him, his phone rang, and it was his deacon calling. We believe God has given this church the gifts to love sacrificially, and we want to keep doing that inside and outside these walls. Second, we want to serve generously. Just like loving sacrificially, this is something that Knox has already been doing for a long time, and we want to see it continue to grow and get deeper. One of Knox's great strengths is its willingness to serve, not just by writing a check, but by rolling up its sleeves and jumping in. And we saw that in force yesterday at the Neighborgood Festival. My wife went a couple hours early to the festival to make sure everything was getting set up, and half an hour before the Neighborgood Festival started, I got this short little text from her that just said, our church is amazing because everything was ready, because so many hands had contributed to make that day possible. And we see that spirit of service not just yesterday, but around the year at Hesed House, at Loaves and Fishes, at Wyman, at Go and Serve. When we talk about serving generously, what we mean are mission partnerships where we offer not just money and not just time and energy, but our very selves. We're talking about face-to-face partnerships with real people that develop over years, over the course of many shared experiences and prayers and encounters. Becca and I have experienced something of the power of this kind of generous service at her home congregation, Lake Grove Presbyterian in Portland. Um, Many decades ago, Lake Grove got involved in serving folks in the country of Senegal, in West Africa. When they started, many of the people at that church probably couldn't have found Senegal on a map. But over 20 years, they sent many mission mission teams to Senegal, and they came face-to-face with what life is like there, The, the crushing reality of poverty, of discouragement and despair, as well as the astonishing ways the Spirit is at work in circumstances many of us would find overwhelming. They went... They kept going. And as the years went by, more and more people went on these trips. People started to give money, first a little bit, then a little bit more. 
then a lot, and then a lot, lot. They kept going on trips. And finally, after 20 years of giving and going, one group of villages in Senegal decided quite on their own without being asked that they needed to recognize this one amazing church in Portland that kept visiting them, kept sending money, kept supporting them as they drilled wells and built schools and constructed medical clinics. And so you know what this group of villages did? They renamed themselves. That group of villages became a spot on the map called Lake Groveland. They changed their name to honor the church that had so loved and supported them. And there's a wonderful coda to this story, one of my favorite stories of all time. Several years after this happened, Becca's dad, Bob, was at a conference on ministry in Africa. And he's walking around, he's sipping a cup of coffee, he's got on a name tag, Bob Sanders, Lake Grove Presbyterian Church. And a young African man who he has never met comes up to him and greets him like a long lost relative. You are from Lake Grove Presbyterian Church. I am from Lake Groveland. I thank God for you. Thank God for you. He said it over and over again. Lake Grove Presbyterian Church, Lake Groveland, thank God for you. Thank God for you. It was a kingdom of God moment. Those villages in Senegal were forever changed by that church's generous service. And Lake Grove Presbyterian Church was forever changed by its face-to-face personal service of its partners. So we want to love sacrificially, serve generously, and we want to seek Jesus together. One of the things we love about Knox One of the things that attracted us to this church to begin with was that it isn't a country club church. Do you know what I mean by that? This isn't a church for upwardly mobile people who want to network with other upwardly mobile people. It's not a social club for people with similar interests. It's a church for people who want to follow Jesus. It places him at the center. And there's a biblical word for someone who's decided to make Jesus the center of their life, disciple. Knox is a church for disciples of Jesus. And if you read the Bible, disciples do a lot of following. Jesus leads his disciples somewhere and they follow him. Sometimes the journey is short, sometimes it's long, sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's hard. But those disciples follow Jesus as best they can. And bit by bit, they learn more about who he is. Our vision for Knox is to have that kind of attitude. We want to follow Jesus as a community, seek him as a community. We may not always see around the next bend in the road. We may not be sure where the journey ends. As much as I hate to admit it, we don't have Jesus in our back pocket. He's out in front of us. But as we diligently and faithfully and humbly follow his lead, we believe he will guide us where he wants us to go so that we can see his kingdom come right here in the Naperville area and beyond. God has done a good work 
in us and he will bring it to completion. So today is pretty special because one year ago today, this Sunday was for Dave and I, our first Sunday here as your co-pastors. And that day stands out in our memory for a couple of reasons. Uh, uh, you know, knowing that it was a big day for the whole church, you all had planned it beautifully. Uh, you planned a big worship service, and then uh, we planned this big barbecue and block party to be outside the way uh, we had it yesterday, and you'd planned it down to a T, except for the one thing you couldn't plan, which was the weather. And that was a day, actually I looked it up on the internet uh, earlier this week, that was a day of record rainfall for the Chicagoland area, specifically in the 7 a.m. to noon hours. We had four to six inches of rain in this area in that time span. That's a lot of rain. So, you know, the church party pivoted, you moved it inside, that's fine. Uh, but Dave and I, we were at our new home uh, I mean, barely had moved in, maybe a week earlier, and so we were still doing the thing where, you know, we're fishing clothes and toothbrushes out of the bottom of boxes. So we got ourselves ready, left the house around 7 a.m., and right before we left was one of those, you know, showers that came through with just, like, sheets of water. And so we get in the car, and we're going to leave our neighborhood. Again, new neighborhood, remember this. So we drive the route that we're used to taking, and we encounter just a huge flood in the road. Like one of those floods that you see on the evening local news when somebody has tried to drive through it and the helicopter comes to fly over to get video of that poor schmuck, right? Like that's how deep the puddle was. And so we're sitting there at the puddle and we just stop for a minute. We're like, okay, this is how we know how to get out of our neighborhood and it's flooded. So uh, either we become that poor schmuck and the helicopter comes and zooms over us or we text the church and be like, sorry, can't be there. We'll be your new pastors next week. <laughs> Fortunately, we are well-trained millennials, so we pulled out our phones. And we opened up Google Maps. And I looked and went, oh, okay, this isn't the only way out of our neighborhood. <laughs> so we turn the car around, find another route out, and we make it to church for our first Sunday. And the rest, as they say, is history. But I think as I was thinking about that uh, this week, I think there's a lesson here for us. In a sense, we are all in this car together. And we're standing at a crossroads. The terrain before us may be unfamiliar. We may feel unsure. And although we may not be able to see clearly the path that is before us yet, be assured, take great courage. Our God sees. Our God knows. God has a plan for where we are going, and our God is going to take us there. By God's grace, we will find our way, not to get to church, but to be the church. And the rest, they will say, will be history. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information on how to get connected, please visit our website at knoxprez.org. That is K-N-O-X-P-R-E-S dot org. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Podcast, or Spotify.